there, and welcome to Bustin' Out of Breast Cancer, the show that has us straight talking about surviving and thriving breast cancer with health and fitness using the SMILE method. I am Shannon Burroughs, your host for the show, and also a breast cancer recovery coach. I'm also a breast cancer survivor and fitness professional who specializes in cancer exercise. I became the person I couldn't find while navigating my own diagnosis. I like to say I found my purpose at the intersection of passion, pain, and proficiency. I now help other women through their breast cancer recovery to become the best version of themselves through support, exercise, and healthy living with my online coaching and courses. On this show, we share survivor stories. We talk with other medical and fitness professionals to help them navigate their own cancer journey. Welcome back to the show. Today is going to be a phenomenal show as usual. Um, We are going to dive into physical therapy and myofascial release with Joan Miller and Amy Beyer. Joan is actually a breast cancer survivor as well, and she's going to share with us her amazing journey as well as how her myofascial release really helped her through her own journey and has applied that to everything in her life. All right. Well, welcome ladies. Thank you so much for being here. Joan Miller and Amy Beyer. This is going to be so exciting. I cannot wait to share all the important information that you have within you to the world, to all of our listeners. So Thank you again for being here. I would love to have to start with Joan, please, if you would just introduce yourself and tell us your amazing survivor story. Like I love survivor stories. It just, it, it just fills my heart. Me too. me too. Thank you. Thank you for having me, first of all, and Amy for coordinating this since Amy knew you. So I really appreciate it. I am extremely passionate about sharing my story about making decisions, moving through the process, the outcomes that were phenomenal, and then having a, what I call a new normal. So it's a new normal now, and a really, really good new normal in case that we call it thriving instead of just surviving. And I know, Shannon, you feel that way from what you said and do. (laughs) Yes. So it's being a thriver. So um, in 09, I was, I'm a physical therapist. And so I've been doing my fascia release most of my career. And it's been a huge part of my life, both professionally and personally. And we'll talk about that in a moment, the connection. But um, I was diagnosed in 2009 with breast cancer in both breasts at the same time, which is kind of unusual. And we decided that I was special because of that, because as I found out in my consult, it happens about two to 3% of the time, at least then, that it was bilateral or both sides at the same time. So I was faced with decisions right off the bat that were pretty much looking at mastectomy because the right side also had lots of DCIS, which if people understand breast cancer, that's the in C2 breast cancer, as well as invasive cancer on both sides. So that's when part of when the myofascial release in the process made a difference. And I think Amy's going to share a piece later about treating before and we'll talk about how important the fascia is to the body. But in the breast cancer piece, uh, what we know about myofascial release is that it's a mind, body, spirit approach. It connects consciousness with our physical being. It incorporates our mind and emotion into everything that we do, who we are. And so one of the things that was very important to me was A, to be informed. And fortunately, being a physical therapist and having wonderful medical uh, people, you know, physicians that I'm close with that were more brilliant and, and more learned about this than I was at the time, 
I reached out to them. So it was easy for me to gain a lot of information, especially with my background. And the piece that myofascial release relates to in that is what we know is because of the mind-body connection, that if we make decisions that we feel good about, that we emotionally are okay with, that it's something that we agree with and are looking positively with, then that literally changes our healing process and our outcomes. And that's a, that's a very important piece. Um, I hear a lot of patients or ladies when they call me when they're first diagnosed, well, the doctor said to do this or they're confused or they don't know. And in that state of fear, fear shuts our system down. It increases cortisol, which increases inflammation. And we'll talk about that for in cancer piece. But in the process, that shuts us down to even being in a place where we can make a good decision and then proceed positively. So that's where it helped me even before I went through the breast cancer. So for me, it was kind of a no, there wasn't really a lot of decision to make because there was so much extensiveness on the right that I was planning on that, you know, they said, you're looking at mastectomy on the right. So for me, it was a pretty basic, easy decision to do bilateral mastectomy, which means both sides. And at that point, I wanted to do reconstruction. I know now there are lots of ladies who feel perfectly fine without reconstruction. And that's fine. I know there's, I think there's a page called flat and fab, you know, for the ladies who don't want to do. At that point, I chose to do reconstruction. And again, I did my research and chose implant reconstruction. Now, there's a whole nother piece about flap reconstruction, but I think we're leaving that out of the topic today, probably. Shannon, you probably have spoken on that before. We could, we could literally have topics for days. Oh, days, days. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So once I had made the decision, a very dear, another PT friend of mine, actually lots of my myofascial friends were very involved in help, but a very close, physically close to me, a friend of mine had gone through breast cancer with, I mean, cancer with her brother-in-law. And she was very moved by the whole thing and said that, you know, I'll be there for you. So once I did the mastectomy and they put the expanders in, which that is something we have to touch upon because a lot of ladies who choose implant reconstruction and go through the expander process say, it's so painful, it's horrible, I hated it. Yeah, I would never do that, you know, et cetera, et cetera. That's and one of the questions we, I have for you. So hold tight on that. Oh, okay. So because of the myofascial release uh, and she treated me very early on, I had... I mean, yes, I will say my chest felt like a board. I mean, rigid, but did I have pain? No. Did I have range of motion? Yes. Was I able to do things? Absolutely. So I had function and the expanders weren't comfortable, but I They're didn't awful. have pain. <laughs> but, yeah, but I didn't have pain through the process. And really that's all about the myofascial work. So that's where I'm a huge advocate for that. Then after the exchange of expander to implant, and like you said, we can come back to that because I'm sure you have things you want to say. Um, I went and did what we call in the myofascial word, intensive treatments, which is a week or two weeks of hands-on full body myofascial release work. And my outcome has just been amazing. You know, every medical person that I see that sees my reconstruction says, you know, wow, they're so soft. They're movable. They look natural oh, in my clothes, of course, you know, I mean, they are. But basically, it doesn't look like, um, and I'll say this, and you might want to change it, but 
They doesn't nope. look like a bad boob job where they're just big, hard, round mounds and it doesn't feel good and it doesn't look good. And why did I ever do that? So that made a huge difference. When I spoke to the reconstruction surgeon, I told him my health comes first, my function comes second because of my, what I do is all working with my arms and my martial arts, which I was heavily involved with then. And uh, cosmetic is third. Great. But I will tell you what I learned a year later when the process is over and you're back to your new normal and you're thriving, the cosmetic does matter. You know, I said it wasn't as important, but since then I've seen women who had bad cosmetic outcomes and it's heartbreaking. And so, so that's why, you know, with the myofascial, getting back to exercise, getting back to activity, getting back to our real life, you know, not going through the process is so important to me. So I love that I can hear how passionate you are about it. And I think that's phenomenal because there's nothing more exciting than hearing a woman feel so proud and so empowered to be able to share her own journey, but also be able to share that with others and help them be an advocate for their own health, their own journey. And I know we've talked that we both feel the same way. Like we're huge advocates for empowering women to basically take control of their life and become the best version of themselves. So I was taking some notes here while you were writing, and I love that you said it's so important to emotionally feel good about your decisions. And that goes right hand in hand with us wanting women to be their own advocates, right? Like once you feel good, once you feel like empowered to make your own decisions, that you can do that, making those decisions to tell your doctor, no, like I fired two of my doctors. I fired my first oncologist and my first plastic surgeon and people need to know men and women, but speaking on the, on our lane of being in breast cancer. Yes. Like it's okay for you to make your decision. It's okay for you to say, no, this is, this doesn't feel good to me. And yes, having that fear releases that cortisol. And we all know what that happens to get the inflammation. And that's what causes all of our chronic diseases. Um, so I, I wanted to kind of dial it back for a second. And for those people or listeners that may not know what myofascial release is, could we just touch on that for a little bit? Um, maybe just explain exactly what it is, the benefits of it. And then I had, I had a couple of questions for you in regards to lymphedema, the incisions and expanders. So okay. please share with us exactly what is myofascial release and how does it benefit someone? I know you just touched on the mind-body connection right. and all of that, but right. explain like what is happening in the body, please. So myofascial is, myo is muscle and fascia is connective tissue. And it's how the myofascial or the muscle and connective tissue integrate with every single tissue in the body. So we first, you know, a hundred years ago when I was in PT school, we thought it was just this covering on a muscle, like, like when you, you know, clean a chicken. But what we know through all the research and all the information and the science now, and even videos that myofascial tissue encompasses it, it, it interweaves and encompasses with every single tissue in the body lymph system as you said it, it affects the lymph it affects every organ it affects uh, not just our muscles but even the bones it affects our structure it affects blood flow circulatory system nerve everything so in when we teach myofascial release what we say which is a bigger picture is that myofascial the myofascia is the environment of every cell in the body. So it's completely connected head to toe, front to back, everywhere. So that like, for example, with breast cancer or working on post-mastectomy, post-reconstruction, 
that we can't just work on the surgery site, that we may have pulls far away in the body, that the back is just as important, that the pelvis is just as important. And for an example, I made sure we know structurally that everything, it's a building block. And that's simplifying it quite a bit. So that if my pelvis was balanced and my trunk was straight and my posture was good, then my reconstruction was going to be more, um, what shall I say, placed more properly. Um, like balanced. Balanced. Because if I, if I start out with like a bent forward, a side bent, a twisted position, then my reconstruction will look off. It will look crooked and that doesn't feel good. Doesn't look good. People are upset about that. Then they go in for more surgeries. And what they don't realize is that, my dog, sorry. What they don't realize is, is that it's the body position, not the implant position. So that, you know, treating before to balance the body is just as important as treating afterward. So fascia is so comprehensive. It literally affects every movement, every cell, every tissue. And that's why I think Amy's going to touch upon doing myofascial release before Prevention, self-care. Yeah. And then I can talk more about my experience with the after surgery. Does that help? Is that a little uh, more explanatory? Yes, but I will say that that was an excellent introduction because when you were talking about, um, you know, being in balance and all of that as a, as a, you know, certified fitness professional, as a certified personal trainer, like the, yes, mind body connection, but my God, if you could just get your body in line, it's, yes. I mean, you don't have to work out. You don't have to stretch and do PT and all that because of an injury or to, you know, anything, just balance your body. It will help everything, your organs, your breathing, your your whole well-being, And that's why I really love talking to Amy, because we were talking about the importance of prevention and self-care and self-care is not being selfish. It's literally taking care of yourself to become the best version of yourself Absolutely. for everything in life. So Amy, Absolutely. welcome. I would love Thank for you. you to share your story, your journey, and why you feel it is so important to focus on self-care and prevention. I have my own feelings. We've talked about that before, um, but I would love for you to be able to share um, with the listeners why you feel myofascial release and, and self-care is so important for prevention of not only cancer, but, other, but any other disease. Absolutely. And thank you for having me. Um, when I was in my mid thirties, which was probably, I think probably 10 to 12 years ago, um, I was actually at the minor doctor. details, minor I know, details. <laughs> knows. Um, I was at the doctor and, you know, just there for my general physical. And this is someone that I'm close to. She's, she's a colleague and friend. And when she was doing my breast exam, she had found a lump in my left breast and it was very hard. It was movable. It was pea sized. And I could just tell by how her face looked um, that it was something she was concerned with. So I just kind of said to her, I said, you know, Deb, give it to me straight. What are you thinking? She goes, I'm very concerned. And at that time with being only in my mid thirties, I had been receiving thermograms as a prevention tool for probably 10 years um, because I wasn't at an age where I would even think about getting mammograms. And so um, at that time we repeated my thermogram. It really didn't show much, but she had recommended it for me to get an ultrasound. And what I found was the doctor's office wouldn't do an ultrasound without a mammogram. 
And so I had set up that mammogram and ultrasound for the following week. And when I went down to my car, I immediately went into a state of just continual worried thoughts going through my mind. I could feel myself going into an immediate state of fear and just thinking to myself, oh my God, I have breast cancer. Because what the lump felt like was exactly what a tumorous lump would be. And so I kept reeling in through my mind of all these thoughts going through. And I had to take a step back and just breathe. And I think that's one of the most important things is I literally had to step back, take a couple of breaths. And I heard myself say, what do you know? And what I know is myofascial release, which I had done for 10 plus years. And so when I went home that weekend, I did exactly what I do for my clients, as well as I did exactly what I teach my clients to do. And I treated that lump for two hours over the two days. And by the time I went in for the appointment, they wanted to know where it was and it was gone. There was no lump anymore and it has not come back. And I really do feel my knowledge and my treatment with the myofascial saved my life that day. And so what I advocate for now is I want women to prevent. I want women to also know and have these tools to keep fluidity and keep mobility through their breasts, hopefully over time, decreasing the environment that breast cancer can come in. And with what Joan was talking about, about the fascial system, basically being the environment of every cell, there's actually a research out there that um, Minda Bissell from Berkeley was doing a study and she actually took breast tumor cells and allowed them to grow in a normal environment. And we can all guess what happened is the tumors just continued to get bigger. But then what they did is they started to take different cells and they started to manipulate them and compress them. And what they saw was these cells actually started to revert back to normal. Mm -hmm. And the great thing about this study is the environment that this was in was healthy mobile breast fascia, which is the exact environment of every cell within the breast. And so what she found was these tumor cells aren't necessarily doomed to become malignant tumor cells. It all was dependent upon the environment that it was in, Mm -hmm. which is the fascial tissue. But what we know is that fascial tissue, it needs to be mobile. It needs to be flexible and it needs to allow enough space for these cells to grow normally. Because what, what what is cancer? It's when the cells start to glue and adhere together. And if that fascial system is that ground substance that these cells are embedded within, what's happening is that ground substance is now starting to lose its fluidity and it's dehydrating. And so now these cells are being pulled together and this is what's deemed as cancer. And so what we like to do from a myofascial standpoint is when we start to um, do the work, which is basically a form of manipulation, compression, and elongation within these spaces, that fluid nature now can start to rehydrate again. It can create space um, for those cells to communicate and to grow naturally. 
And so I'm a huge advocate in uh, utilizing myofascial release as prevention, uh, but also as just a way of keeping our bodies healthy. And moving in general. Yeah. Yeah. Shannon, may I add something? When I talked about what myo and fascial was, I left out exactly the important part Amy is alluding to or, or described, which is the gelatinous substance that's embedded within the connective tissue. And it's, and what this approach does is actually like help that gelatinous substance stay fluid, which is what our body needs to do is be fluid. So that's actually one of the most important pieces. It's not just the connective tissue, but the ground substance that becomes hard and thick with stress, inflammation, uh, incision, trauma, any kind of trauma. And what myofascial release does besides address the structural component is to, as Amy said, rehydrate the gelatinous substance and keep our tissue and our bodies fluid and that affects everything. Thank, Amy, thanks for adding that piece. Yes, I love, I love so much that you, you really dive into the prevention um, of not only just cancer, but just healthy lifestyle, healthy lifestyle mm-hmm. in general, because I think so many people take for granted that, you know, they might be thin or, okay, they go to the doctors and they get a good checkup or whatever, but you can be skinny fat and you can have inflammation in your body mm-hmm. and still be thin. You can have other things going on in your body that you don't even know about because you might feel okay. You may not have the signs, the symptoms, signals, anything like that. You didn't know anything about your lump, Amy, like going in there and you're like, oh gosh, but you had the the tools and the resources and you immediately went to those, which I think is so important for people just to be educated. And that's why for me, I'm so passionate about educating, empowering, and inspiring people to become the best version of themselves. That's why I love these interviews. Like to share the knowledge that, that you ladies have to share your experiences that, you know, you you have to stay in your lane, right? You can't be, you you know, you can't do everything right. Like my lane is obviously, you know, the importance of exercise and nutrition. And, you know, I use the smile method, which is simply making individual lifestyle enhancements. Myofascial release falls right into that. Right. It's just a little thing, you know? So if you could just make those little things each and every day, and, and you can pick up a little nugget on each podcast you listen to or audible that you listen to or article that yeah. you read, just start to incorporate it and making those changes to make a difference in your life. And like to see, to feel that and see that is like, huh, I just look at that. I just did that. Amazing. You know, it's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I did want to go back real quick um, in regards to lymphedema and myofascial yes. release. I know there's been, you know, a lot of new information on lymphedema and, you know, um, what you can and cannot do, should and should not do and things like that. Um, And I also would like to, so let's talk about lymphedema first. And before I start a bunch of questions, like (laughs) we'll do one at a time. (laughs) Good. Um, Okay. So what, are there any concerns in regards to lymphedema with myofascial release? Actually, myofascial release helps lymphedema incredibly. Now, that's not to say that you might not also need actual manual lymph drainage from a certified manual lymph drainage type therapist, massage, PTOT, whomever. There are people that are certified in it, but it in the myofascial work to me is best combined with actual manual lymph drainage. Because one thing we haven't, neither one of us have said, is that the myofascial techniques are very different from other soft tissue work. And this is, you know, the John Barnes method, which 
talks the most about sustained pressures. Okay, and there's two really important pieces here in addition to the lymphedema. The sustained pressure, unlike what most people would expect, is very light. It's a light pressure for a long time. So I call it, you know, low load, long time. I don't know. Oh, Amy, okay. So low load, long time. The sustained pressure is what makes the change in the gelatinous substance, and we know that. And they've even done research showing, which this is very important to the concept, is that at the three to five minute, and particularly after the five minute mark of this low load sustained pressure, that it actually increases the interleukins, which do what? Flight, fight the inflammatory process. So that's why the fluid, the light sustained pressures are so important is to make sure that we are, like I said, increasing the fluidity of the system, but also the T cells, the interleukins, the cancer fighting cells are all stimulated. The anti-inflammatory cells are stimulated. So that needs to be, mine. Okay, that needs to be added. And that's why it's so important to integrate that with um, manual lymph drainage for lymphedema. So I had to bring that in because some people think, especially physicians who aren't familiar with what true myofascial release is, they think, oh, no, no, you can't do that early on, you know, because of the lymphedema, it's damaging to the tissues. Myofascial release is extremely gentle and can be very subtle. But to me, the best treatment of lymphedema is the combination of myofascial and manual lymph drainage. And lymphedema can be very serious. And the most important thing to do is to prevent. And if you have any, treat it very early on. That's really important. Um, I love that you talked about the collaboration of, again, back to my, my comment of not everyone can do everything, right? Um, yes. there, there are certified lymphatic drainage um, people out there. You have PT. Um, me being a certified cancer exercise specialist, I go through lymphatic drainage exercises. Yes. Not that, not that I'm doing the lymphatic drainage as a therapist, but I go through the lymphatic drainage exercises mm -hmm. that people should do every single day. I created a quick little mini course on it. Um, just to kind of, so people had it always as a reference, yes. right. Yeah. Um, that they should do prior to a workout. And then also at the end of a workout. Yes. And for me, even like as a, as a fitness professional and cancer exercise specialist, I won't work with anybody if they have been prescribed a sleeve and they refuse to wear it. So, uh -huh. but I also love that being a PT for me, I'm trying to bridge the gap between the medical and the fitness industries. And perfect. And you are like that, that other person as well. So it's really scary to be released from your doctor's office. And it's like, Oh, oh crap. Now what, now what, now right. what do I do right. now? Mind you, you and I both have been in fields that, and, and Amy, you as well have been in fields that we're like, okay, we know how to prevent things. We know tools and resources, but I'll be honest with you, even as a certified fitness professional, when I was diagnosed, I was like, Oh crap, how do I get past like a cancer surgery and diagnosis? Like that wasn't my yep. wheelhouse. So for me, yep. I was like, okay, once I, you know, found where I could become certified and whatnot, like I was really excited about that. And someone like me is a perfect fit to work with you, both of you, Amy and Joan, because you're on the prevention side as well. And Amy, you have the, okay, well, this has happened. Now you can go talk to, to Shannon. You can talk to Joan, but PTs and cancer exercise specialists and fitness professionals work really well together because, Definitely. you know, let's talk about insurance, for example, like sure. someone may not even have, <laughs> yeah, we're, we're not going to go really deep into this, no. 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 <laughs> but someone may not even have insurance coverage for PT. And then what do they do? 
Okay, mm-hmm. well, that's where I would come in. Okay, or let's say they only have six visits on their insurance. Boom, mm-hmm. then that's where, you know, someone like you and I can, you know, work together. And, and that's what I love, like the whole, I think like survivorships, once you become a survivor, it's almost like this little, like, like a niche, you know, or, or you have- yes. or, <clears throat> It's finding your team. Yeah, yes. your, your yeah, tribe. Yeah. And, yeah. and Amy, yes, you're not a survivor, but you had your own scare. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so you can really have that deep, passionate connection with it as well. And, and, and I felt the same way when I went through IVF, like I felt like going through IVF, I found my tribe and I was like, it's kind of like the, um, there's a word for it. And I forgot the name of it, but you know, like if you're going through, let's say you just bought a new car and then next thing you know, you get on the road and you're like, everybody has the car. And then it's like <laughs> going through IVF. It was like, I felt like everyone I talked to like, oh yeah, I went through IVF or I'm going through that too, but no one really talks about it. Almost like as if it's taboo. Whereas I'm like, open book, open mic. Cause I feel like the more you can talk about it, the more you can share, the more you can empower, educate and inspire other people to Definitely. have their own tools and resources, right. To help them and guide them through their own journey. So, um, yeah, I love that. I love that you touched on the lymphedema because that is such, I call that cancer's best kept secret, but mm-hmm. it's such an important thing to talk about because unfortunately it does not get talked about with a lot of doctors. Mm-hmm. And the only time it gets talked about is when someone's diagnosed. Yeah. And Shannon, I I think one of the important things too, with myofascial release and lymphedema is um, it's almost, if you imagine kind of a water hose and Mm -hmm. we need that lymph system, it's kind of like the water flowing through a hose. But if you have a myofascial restriction, it's almost like there's a kink in the hose or someone's Mm -hmm. standing on it. So what myofascial release does is it takes the foot off the hose. And now we need a lymphedema therapist to come in or the lymphatic exercises um, to start to move that lymph system again, because it doesn't have its own pump system. Mm-hmm. And yes. so what myofascial does is it takes the pressure off the system and the hose. And that's how they work so beautifully together. And uh, I want to also be really clear that the myofascial release that we do, myofascial release is out there. It's, it's kind of a catch term. And so when we're talking about myofascial release, we are specifically talking about the John Barnes method, which is completely different than say a rolfing, which is a form of myofascial release, uh, which is a very deep soft tissue. And so when people are talking about this, we want to be talking about the John Barnes method. Yes. The very gentle sustained pressures differentiates from every other approach. Definitely. And I also would like to put a disclaimer out there right now that none of us are medical professionals. Right. <laughs> we are professions in our own, in our own lane, but, mm-hmm. um, we're just trying to provide tips, tools, resources to have in your toolbox for reference Perfect. at any yeah. time to help and guide. And I, I just love that. Um, can you, can you touch real quick on, um, myofascial release and where the incisions are? Definitely. Um, do we have time for me to tell you one little quick thing about an exercise piece that you see you've spoken about several times? Yeah. So this will probably be very meaningful to you and maybe to a lot of the ladies listening. So being, having been in martial arts, my whole adult life, I mean, literally one of my biggest passions, my whole adult life and a hard style. uh, One of the, the hallmarks of exercise in karate is push-ups. You do push-ups for everything, for strengthening, for hitting the bag, for, you know, to, if you do something wrong, if you do something great, it's, it's always push-ups. And so, you know, not, not ego at all. This is just part of what we did. You know, I could pop off 
30 push-ups on my knuckles on any hard surface, concrete, asphalt, whatever, no big deal. And I knew after the reconstruction that it was gonna take time. Like as somebody like you working with somebody building back up to exercise. And it's very different once you have reconstruction. A lot of trainers do not realize that. And Shannon, I'm sure you are very well aware of that. All my reconstruction patients, I make sure that who they're working with is someone that understands what they're dealing with now. It's not the same. And I will tell you after, let's see, that would have been 30 plus years in karate of doing popping off pushups with not a thought that it literally took me. And this was hard for me emotionally. That's why I'd like to bring this up. It literally took me nine months to do one pushup. And that, that was very difficult. Like I, I, I knew, you know, being a PT and being exercise oriented, I, I worked on it myself. It wasn't the, you know, it wasn't the guidance. It was the, the difficulty of getting that back and how that affected me emotionally. And other people may have just given up, but you don't give up in karate and especially not for that. But it, you know, and it would be like, why it was felt like just fail muscle failure. And it just took that long of retraining and being used to the implant and the pectoralis and everything. So I felt like that's important because it totally works in with what you do to help people get back. And there's ways to do it, you know, modify, la, la, la. But that makes a big difference because that was integral to getting back to being able to do everything in martial arts, not just, you know, my work profession, but my, my personal passion. I greatly, greatly appreciate you bringing that topic up because so many people, it really frustrates me when I get into some breast cancer groups or talk to other people They're like, I'm just going to jump back into my regular exercise routine. I'm like, Oh, uh, I'm sorry. No. What? No. They're like, no, I'm, I'm totally fine. I'm like, have you thought about your range of motion? Um, Joan, did you have under the muscle or over the muscle? Um, with reconstruction, at least then, like now I know they're doing direct to implant and they might be over but um, they, they were under, it's under the whole pec. Like I read the surgical report. So you're, and you're under the, the muscle. Yeah. So over the, yeah. well, not everybody does direct implant. That, there's, right. I mean, not all doctors now. do that. Not all yeah. doctors do that, but over no. the muscle is newer now. And it's yes. interesting that you talked yes. about pushups because my plastic surgeon is 100% adamant that no pushups. Ever. How funny. So my plastic surgeon, uh, is absolutely adamant about no chest exercises, no pushups. He's like, there's no point in it unless you have over the muscle, then you can. So it's very interesting. And, and I love, like, I loved being able to talk to him and communicate with him. And in fact, I'm interviewing him for, um, a podcast coming up. So I'm really excited because awesome. he's so freaking smart. And I love, like, he's got so much knowledge that needs to be shared with I people. Love it. Yes. Um, but he, he is well-versed in exercise and his surgeries and things like he's got like, I don't know, three or four different fellowships and his wife went to school for exercise science. So he's definitely, you know, mm -hmm. he, he loved that I was going to become a cancer exercise specialist going awesome. through my own stuff. So I was able to talk to him about things, you know, and ask him, right. you know, right. why, you know, why this, why that. And, and we're going to discuss that on my interview with him on the podcast, but um, so that's interesting, but I can totally relate to the mental and emotional frustration of not being able to do, especially when, you know, you're hardcore, you're in karate here. I am a, you know, fit, I'm a trainer, I'm a fitness professional. Like I love coaching. Like I love working out. Like yep. what, <laughs> what do you mean? I can't do one. Yeah. Right. First of all, don't ever tell me I can't do something. Cause then I'm going to be Absolutely. like, Oh yeah. Watch that's me. Right. That's right. <laughs> oh girl. Yes, you can. That's right. <laughs>
but yeah. um yeah so um back to the incisions real quick yes um, sorry um that's okay like you, it was very important information tell me um tell me what doing the my, myofascial release does that affect the incisions do you have to avoid the incisions okay a hundred percent it affects it positively now when you start depends on the healing process, the surgeon, what they allow, um, how much, you know, uh, whether the therapist inversed in that. I mean, there's so many factors. There's not like, oh, you can do it at th day, you know, week three or week four or week six. There are too many factors to say when to do it. However, working on the incisions when they're healed and when it's appropriate, depending on the physician and the therapist, then it makes a tremendous difference because when we talked about trauma, creating a myofascial restriction, well, a surgical incision is a trauma. And we know that tissue lays down pretty neatly and it's layered and very mobile, but a restricted tissue, whether it's, you know, fascial restriction, a surgical incision, particularly these um, can create restrictions and tightness. So it, when we don't, we need to work on the scars to keep the scars mobile. So for example, with the expanders, or the implants, we need the scar to be mobile off the, the skin layer, the, the superficial layer to be mobile off the implant. If it adheses to the expander or the implant, that creates enormous problems with restriction. So we definitely work on the incisions. The when depends on all those factors I mentioned already, but it makes a tremendous difference. And not only the mastectomy incision, the lymph node biopsy incision, even, and this is kind of like a little mind opening to some people, even the drain tube, the drain tube, the incision is the teeniest, teeniest little thing, but that incision matters. And often with the myofascial therapist or experience, we can feel when we press on where the drain tube was, the restriction of where the tube created a restriction as well. If, especially if it's been there a while and it tightens up around the tube. So yeah, literally, even the drain scar matters. You, you literally just made me like touch where my incisions are. Like, yes. and then as soon as you said drains, I was like, oh, yes. <laughs> yes. yes. Oh God, that's crazy. Um, Amy. Yes. What, what tip do you have for our listeners in regards to myofascial release and prevention and, and self-care? I think one of the things that I advocate for women is number one, familiarize yourself with your breasts. And when I talk to women and I, I hold workshops on um, the myofascial impact for breasts, one of the questions that I actually ask them is how many of you do monthly self breast exams? Feel it and, on the first. And maybe two hands come up because, and I ask them, I say, there's no judgment. What, tell me, what is the reason that you, you don't? And the number one thing that people tell me is, well, there's two is the number one thing is I don't know what I'm looking for. And the second thing is I'm afraid to find something. And so really? when I advocate and, and talk to women about this, I go within the mindset of not doing a self breast exam, but just to feel your breasts in a loving, positive way and become very familiar with what your breasts feel like, because every breast is different. So you yeah. want to know what is normal for you and your yeah. breasts. 
And so it's just about, you know, being in the shower, touching your breasts, moving them, where are they gliding? Where are they moving? Where are they stuck? Breasts should be very mobile. They Mm -hmm. shouldn't be tender. They shouldn't be sore. If they are, this means there probably is myofascial restriction that is limiting the mobility and or creating cysts or tenderness. And so those are things that we definitely want to um, be addressing from a myofascial standpoint. And I teach women all the time how to utilize myofascial principles for their breasts, as well as throughout the tissue around it, the chest. Um, And when we teach self-care exercises, we're utilizing that low load sustained pressure. It's not just going on a foam roller and opening up your chest. Right. Um, myofascial self-care is very different. So there, everyone can learn it, but there's a way that we teach people. Um, so number one thing that I tell women from prevention, familiarize yourself with your breasts. I think that's so critical. Great advice. That is excellent advice. And I love that you hold workshops. You hold a space to educate women mm-hmm. on how to really do that. And it's, it's, I mean, I'll be perfectly honest. I was not, you know, doing, I didn't even have a lump. So, and I wasn't doing self, self breast exams, truth be told. Um, and, and now I look back and I'm like, wow, I'm like, even if I did self breast exams, I wouldn't have felt anything because I didn't have a lump, mm-hmm. but I will say when you talk about everyone's breasts are so different and, you know, feel of how they actually move. Truth be told, I like, I used to complain about, I've talked about this before of like in the different podcasts of like, as a woman, you know, when you start to get, you know, like my daughter's 13 now, so she's just starting to get her little ninnies and, um, and like, you hate that. Right. And then you go into teenage years and you're like, Oh, so awkward. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. you're a woman and you're like, this is part of who I, yes, look at me go. And then you have a child. And that's part of, you know, if you're, if you're able to breastfeed, that's part of your connection. Like that's your connection to your, your child. Mm-hmm. And I loved, this is the one thing that I do miss. And I hope to God, I don't cry. Cause this is the one thing that makes me cry, but I do miss not being able to feel her head on my chest. Mm-hmm. And I used to joke about how I hated when I would lay down that my boobs would fall into my armpits right after breastfeeding. <laughs> and so when you talked about like them moving and like they all have their own movements and that was the first thing that came to my mind was right remember when you used to like say you hate it when they would just you know fall to your armpits i i would do anything to have them fall to my armpits right now mm-hmm. because yeah okay yes i have breasts and yes they might look great you know when i'm in clothing and sure whatever it looks fantastic i hate the way they feel I hate the way, and, and when I say feel, meaning, cause I don't have feeling, but yes. they're like, they're hard. They're like, mm-hmm. they're gummies, but it's mm-hmm. just a weird thing. So I love that you hold the space to be able to educate women on that. So Amy, do you have a workshop coming up? I do not have a workshop coming up, but I do um, help women through telehealth, through Zoom videos. And oh, I nice. can advocate and help women learn how to do the myofascial self-care for themselves. I foresee like a really killer woman's empowerment summit of like prevention yes. and thrivers. Yes. That'd be <laughs> wonderful. Yes. I'll make sure I put that on my list of things to do as well. Um, <laughs> as a woman, as a woman empowerment coach and a breast cancer recovery coach, um, I definitely would like to make that happen. Joan, I know that PT is definitely more hands-on. It's definitely more specific um, as opposed to Amy, you know, can help guide you know, a woman through a breast exam, um, or, you know, self, self self-care. 
Um, do you do anything remotely at all? Do you do any telehealth or is that you just kind of keep to local and one-on-one? I don't. Uh, my practice is quite full and I have the advocacy thing. So I really keep it more personal. It's more one-on-one yeah. local calls and okay. a lot of hands-on treatment. But um, I love what Amy's doing because it's a perfect compliment because that's less my thing and more hers. And so it's a perfect meld. Yes, for sure. I think between the three of us, we're like the perfect trio. We got Amy for prevention. We got you for PT and me to be like, I'm going to go ahead and bridge that gap with exercise and range of motion and all that good stuff. So that's awesome. Is there any last words of advice that you would give to our listeners, Joan? One thing I will say that Amy touched on and we've talked about before is Many women say after it, oh, you know, I don't have full range of motion. Oh, I can't do this exercise. Oh, you know, I'm having pain. Whatever the, whatever the complaint is, whatever the difficulty they have coming back to thriving is. And unfortunately, a lot of the medical community, I mean, I, I love my doctors. They're phenomenal. But a lot of the medical community kind of pats you on the back and says, but you survived breast cancer. Well, great. I'm glad I survived, but I want to thrive. I want mm-hmm. to feel good. I want to look good. I want to feel good about myself, which goes to that piece of loving yourself, whether it's, you know, your implant breasts or your natural breast. So I think that's a huge piece is it, it, being able to search these things out. And you're a perfect example of offering, you know, giving it, giving a, a platform for this so that women can get back to the, as you call it, the best version of yourselves or what I call a new normal thriving. There you go, Amy. Absolutely. What words of advice do you have for our listeners today? You know, the one thing that I would say is uh, just as Joan had said, no matter where you are in your journey, if you are just in a prevention state, if you are going through treatment or afterwards, I feel that everyone can learn and benefit from the myofascial work. Um, and Definitely. I just think it's so critical through care, just from what I've seen through Joan's journey, um, as well as so many of my clients. And I think the other thing that I would say is, if you get any inkling when you're at a doctor's office of something not feeling right, trust that inkling and yes. get the answers that you need Let's and the care up. that you the care that you need and, and speak up and yes, be okay being an advocate and going yes. in and asking for what you want and what you need during this journey, because it is your journey. And I think in the medical society, they do poo poo a lot of things and please be an advocate. Be empowered. Yeah, absolutely. Wonder to empowers activate. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> just here is your advocacy team. Uh, <laughs> that's awesome. You guys had um, incredible information to provide and great words of advice. And I love that we're all on the same mission of helping women and empowering women to be their own advocates on their own journey, not even just health, but life in general, like to be able to speak yeah. and, and, yes. and feel good about that stuff, feel okay, you know, with yourself on that. And you guys, are going to have your information in the show notes of ways to contact you. And if they have any questions, they can just, you know, call you Joan, or they can reach out to you, Amy, for some telehealth um, advice. And um, that would be phenomenal. I thank you ladies so, so much for everything that you brought to the table today, all of your knowledge, all of your empowerment. And um, it's been phenomenal. I've really loved this, this conversation. And I hope our listeners have as well. 
So thank, thank you, you for having me. And yes. Katie, thank you so thank much you. for having us. Yes. What a pleasure. Thank you so much for listening. I hope this week's episode has somehow changed your life with a smile. As a reminder, I have a few spots open for our founding members of only $27 a month. If you're looking for advice and guidance through your breast cancer journey or know someone that could use some help, head on over to shannonbros.com, join our private Facebook group, or download any of our free resources. Until next week, live well, laugh often, and love much.